Welcome to The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. Here we discuss all things curriculum, plus leadership issues, teaching tips and much, much more. So welcome to the podcast, Adam. We're, we're talking to each other through Zoom and that's because we're still currently, as we're speaking, on lockdown in, in the UK. But it's really great to talk to you because I know you've been a curriculum and subject leader in your school. So before we sort of look at that role and your school in general, could you just tell us a little bit about your school, Farmalo, where it is, and a bit about the values and the approach that you have at the school? Yeah, so as you say, we're, we're Farmerlow Primary School and Nursery. We're in Nottinghamshire in Mansfield. We're, in, we're an expanding school. So over the last four years, our pupil numbers have increased year on year through year groups, which has obviously presented us with a new challenge uh, as a school that's expanding. Our school mission statement is imagine and believe, inspire and achieve. And we would always describe ourselves as quite a creative school. We always, and we pride ourselves on being described as a family school, it's something that Ofsted picked up in our Ofsted report, it's something that parents say, and really, especially in this unusual time that we're living in, the the concept that we're a family school has really rung true. The staff and our wider community, it is a family, there's been a lot of people looking out for each other, acts of kindness, families and and staff looking out for other families and, and other members of staff. And I have to say that really has been clear throughout just what a fantastic community it is and how lucky we are to, to be a part of it. Oh, that's great to hear that, Adam, because, you know, just looking at, at schools around the country, it is, it's very much that community spirit and that not every child might be at school, but there's still very much that community support, isn't there, from the school and the staff, even though it's remotely, are you able to keep in contact regularly with everyone? Very much so. I mean, we, um, what we've really found is that, you know, obviously because we're still open to the emergency childcare, some staff were seeing each other in that, but all of the staff, we've got one big staff WhatsApp group, we're having Microsoft Teams meetings, we're keeping in touch. People are sharing in our staff WhatsApp group photos of things they're doing with their families. And I think what, it's, what we found probably is that the staff WhatsApp group and our modes of communication becoming as much about our personal lives and that sense of connectivity as a staff community as it is things to do with work. And I think that's really, really nice that you know, it, what it has done is, is drawn us all as a team together, as, as individuals, as people, as well as as professionals. In this lockdown that we're in, what are you currently working on in your role? Are you a teacher and a subject leader and curriculum lead or or just a curriculum lead and teacher? So I'm class teacher, year six currently, SLT lead of the whole curriculum. Yeah. And then also got specific subject responsibilities for PE and PSHE, SRE. That's, that's <laughs> I was going to say, nothing else? <laughs> <laughs> oh, pupil, pupil premium as well. Oh, there you go. There you go. I thought you could fit one more role in. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you've got a lot of responsibility there. But that cohesion and that kind of everyone looking out for each other and that's really, I imagine, helping you in your role, even remotely at the moment. Is that right? Totally. I mean, we've been, we've been really, really lucky in the fact that obviously with the, with the lockdown, it's changed the way that we work. But, you know, what, what we've talked about, our view very much is that for our school, we're still providing three lessons a day virtually through a range of means. What I've been really, really struck by, very, very grateful for, is the fact that Every day, 
staff seem to be embracing new ways of working and new technology people are driven to find new ways to be teaching our kids in this you know in this time whether that's learning how to use a different you know, piece of software to communicate a lesson or whether it's phoning families and talking things through that they you know children have found tricky from the work that's been set or if it's posting learning out there's our staff have been incredibly innovative and resilient um in supporting children and yeah, I really cannot ask for any more than that. I feel really, really, you know, genuinely, I feel incredibly lucky and proud of, of what people are doing and pushing themselves to do for our kids. That's the important thing, isn't it, is people's well-being in all of this. Oh. That contact, I can imagine, is extremely valuable for the children and families to hear from the teachers. That's exactly it. I mean, we're speaking to every parent every week in a phone call as well as um, talking to them you know, every day on the um, e-learning platform that we use. And quite frankly, you, you spend hundreds of days a year with, with your class. They become, um, they become a part of your life, really. You go through the highs and lows with them. You know, I think teaching is, teaching is so much more than just imparting knowledge. And I think trying to keep that alive somehow is, is just as important to the community as it is to the academic side of things. Definitely. And I'm sure they'll remember it, you know, that people were there, that the school community was still there and carried on throughout something so challenging. You mentioned you had so many different areas of responsibility at school. How have you approached doing those jobs while you've been off? Have you been thinking ahead to the curriculum planning in uh, September and onwards or whenever the schools come back? Yeah, we're probably in a, a slightly unusual position that because we are expanding year on year, thinking about September has to happen quite early on in the academic year anyway for us. So ironically, we've been thinking about September coming since probably just before Christmas um, yeah. in terms of staffing it, in terms of curriculum, class structure, budget, you name it. Mm. So by the point of lockdown happening, some of the biggest decisions have been made yeah. um, in the time that I've had available when I've not been working on the online learning platform. I've been looking at the curriculum plan for September, the implications of mixed classes and what projects to, to select in terms of ensuring coverage because obviously now we need to think about things like rolling programs as well as you know, things we want to introduce and then balancing that of course with the possible you know, impact of what's happened on children's mental and emotional well-being and, and what do we prioritize how do we achieve that there's been a lot of review and reflection time in, in terms of thinking ahead to September. Now, when we first closed, it wasn't clear how long we were going to be closed for. Now we're anticipating being back in June. So attention will partly turn to what we're doing between June and the end of July in terms of academic content and, and pastoral content for this year. But equally, we are starting to think about next year and getting staff trained, think about subject knowledge, staffing changes because obviously you know thing people will still leave we've got staff going on maternity leave so it's it's a bit of a balancing act but equally it's, it's something that we're sort of doing in stages and you know working through big decisions and then disseminating down to smaller decisions and getting those out to staff and, and giving people a balance of things that probably do need doing right now for the classes they're teaching and also thinking ahead to September and how we're going to tackle the unprecedented challenges that we'll have in the new year. It's a real balance, isn't it? You have to judge it week by week, day by day at the moment. It sounds like you've already got a plan in place, you know, for the long term. Maybe it's a good time to ask you actually about your journey to deciding to use Cornerstone's curriculum. I wonder if you could give the listeners a bit of insight into that about why you chose it originally. Yeah, September coming will be our, um, our sixth academic year as a school that uses Cornerstone's. I worked at Farmerloe for a long time 
from being an RQT and then actually left Farmillo to take up a, a leadership role at another school just as Farmillo moved over to Cornerstones. So I was involved in the decision to, to get Cornerstones um, and a big advocate of it because we looked at a lot of, of options and felt it met what we wanted as a school but then obviously initially wasn't there for its first rollout. So we began with Cornerstones and in the first year used it very much probably as a scheme. So it was the ILPs were followed very much and, and staff works off those. And I think that was, that was important because it, it gave people that understanding of the approach uh, and it gave staff the confidence to think about working in a particular way, which was a bit of a change of direction from what we were doing before the curriculum changed. I came back to Farmillo as curriculum leader and sort of reviewed what we'd done in the first year of Cornerstones. And we started to look at making it work more for us and what tweaks we could make as we become more confident with it as a school. Yeah. And, and that's really what's happened year on year is we still use all of the Cornerstones materials, but we've probably adapted and been flexible with things to meet the needs of our school as we've gone along and become you know, more confident to do that. And we feel very much that Cornerstones works very very well for us and, and for our, our children that's great to hear that and particularly at that point about editing and adapting it that's the whole spirit of it the curriculum materials are there for schools to make their own now i think being on curriculum maestro is that you can go into all the projects and edit them you can add your own content have you been doing that actually i've been using maestro myself as a leader to sort of start to pull things together because of staffing changes that we uh, we knew we got coming in the expansion, it'll be this September coming when we roll Maestro out school-wide. So we're actually, during this lockdown, we are doing some virtual training uh, with Maestro that I'm going to be doing with staff. Um, okay. Sharing it with everybody else. And I've been at the moment customising content based on what we've already done so that it's there for staff, be showing staff how to do that. I have to say, as a curriculum leader, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Maestro. It's got a balance between giving you the tools you need but still leaving that autonomy that you want i don't feel like we bought a scheme and we're sticking to the scheme i feel mm. like we bought you know building blocks they're excellent building blocks we can you know build different things with it but totally. we build, we're really happy with what it is and we don't want to fall down yeah and, it, and you know in the end that it, what you built um is absolutely right for your community your, ch sure. your children that go to farmerlow and you know those families so well and you know yeah. You know the kind of curriculum you want to inspire them with. Hopefully then, as you're training and looking at Maestro, you can see how the skills and knowledge build over time. So it gives you more of an overview, does it, as a curriculum lead? The, the academic year that we're in still, the, the focus really for the curriculum was on subject leadership. Looking at the changes to the offset framework, we felt very much that as a school, the day-to-day -day curriculum and the way it was operating, we were very happy with it. It works and we certainly wouldn't ever know uh, try to fix something that's not broken so it was more a case of looking at how to refine it and improve the wider picture and we felt it was subject leadership where that could be done because we feel we've got some excellent um, subject leaders as our leaders at our school and what we need to do is make sure we've got an approach as a school where every subject is at the same standard uh, is led well and also staff feel confident and supported to lead it but the focus for us was more on leadership as a skill as opposed to individual subjects so we want to make sure every subject is led equally well whichever one it is and whoever's leading it so skills and knowledge really progression was was vital for us so we have used maestro to look at that because it's you know incredibly in depth but also it's um 
you know, it, it's click and go. You, it's very easy to see, right, we're doing these, we're doing these ILPs, so we can see these are the skills in that ILP. We can yeah. see how the progression takes place between individual strands. So what we feel we've got is a very user-friendly progression document. What we've asked staff to do this year with that is look through those progression documents um, themselves and make sure that they're familiar with it because it's still important for us that yes it's immediately available online but it's also important that, that everybody knows their individual subject um, yeah. and I have to say I'm, you know, every year we do subject leader discussions with governors so the subject leaders come and talk about the subject and the things that they need to you know, they feel their subject needs to work on as, as well as its strengths and those conversations have been fantastic because it's clear that you know our staff have got a really good grasp of, of their subjects and its content and the way it's put together and Maestro has helped enormously to to achieve that. Say as a geography lead you could really think about how to sequence and how to give children information about say maps and you can really think about your teaching more can't you and as a subject lead how you disseminate that that expertise to the other teachers as well particularly I think for some subjects like music, um, art you know there's quite a lot of depth to the teaching of those actually and when you yeah. give time to look into it you can get some really rich learning out of it but it's giving teachers time to reflect and to hone those skills so I'm glad to hear Maestro's helping with that and, and you know be interested to see how you're getting on with it Adam over the next few months. Sure. Now you mentioned EIF of course something that that we all want for children is to get a broad balanced curriculum to make sure that all subjects are equally valued so would you feel if, I mean, when was your your last Ofsted? Was it quite a few years ago or? Yeah, I mean, we were very happy with it. We, we had a very, uh, we had a good inspection, but we felt it was a good experience as, as well. You know, I've been in a number of Ofsted inspections and I, I would say it was a, it was a good experience um, and very, very fair and actually quite supportive and constructive. So it, it it doesn't feel like it was three years ago, but it, yeah, it was three years ago. You know, do you feel positive about how things are going at Farmerlow and how, you know, because they keep saying they're not coming to check, they're just coming to see what you're doing and see what, what you're doing with the curriculum. Are you feeling confident about that? Yeah, I, I think I've been very lucky um, that from the work that we've done with the curriculum and also with the support of, uh, of my head teacher, and I do have to say we've got an incredibly supportive head teacher, supportive in so many ways that we've been able really to, to do a lot of work on the curriculum, whether that's curriculum design or curriculum leadership and supporting other schools. And the nice thing about supporting other schools I've always found it isn't that you're telling someone else how to do it, but you're reflecting with other schools on how it is done generally. So by supporting other schools, you learn things yourself. And it's the same as having a training teacher. You always learn as much about yourself as you do about somebody yeah. else. So as we've support other schools with curriculum development and curriculum leadership it's enabled us to reflect on what we do and refine that and question well actually you know this school does it this way should we be doing it that way are there things we can take from that so what i would say is i'd be reluctant to use the phrase confident <laughs> uh, but I think, I think i'd say optimistic um, yeah is how i would feel we we feel like what we're able to offer our our children and our community is a fantastic curriculum which meets their needs, which has pleasing outcomes and which broadens horizons and is something that we think staff and pupils enjoy being at school and we see, you know, the learning that goes hand in hand with that. So 
yeah yeah you feel prepared that's yes yes yes. even though we're not doing it for that reason but yeah Yeah. but But i think you you make a good point when you say we're not doing it for that reason i think part of the reason we feel optimistic is because we're not doing it for that reason nothing's done for ofsted if anything it's being done and we know ofsted might want to look at it um which is why i'm saying a lot of the training we're doing to support other schools is not what do we think Ofsted want to see in PE leadership, but what is good subject leadership? And yes, Ofsted may want to see it, but actually, even if they don't, it's still giving your children and your school community the best, which with or without Ofsted would remain the job. Well said. I couldn't have put it better myself. I think it is. It's just, that is the focus, isn't it? And you know the endpoints you want your children to get through in the different subjects. You know your curriculum intent, your aims. It's just good curriculum thinking, isn't it? Planning around your needs and, and the children and your ambitions for them. Yeah. I mean, your, your role as curriculum leader, you're obviously subject leader as well. You know, for people listening who just want to know what the setup is there. So you've got your head teacher, it's you as a curriculum leader. Are you the only curriculum lead there? Yeah, so, so we've, got a, we've got a senior leadership team, which is made up of myself, the deputy head, head, assistant head, key stage one phase leader and school business manager. And then within that team, everybody's then got additional roles so the the assistant head is also the english lead in the senko uh the deputy head is also the maths lead and the early years lead um, yeah. you know there's but it i have to stress it is a senior leadership team um it, there's there's no i'm in charge of curriculum so i make the decisions it's i really would say that we are is a team we talk regularly Everybody shares ideas and we'll come to a consensus because ultimately we've all got to be singing from the same sheet. So yes. there might be things that I think as a curriculum lead, but if the, you know, if the other members of SLT don't think it's right, then it's not what we're going to do. No, and that's, that's uh, you know, going back to your curriculum intent, you've all got to agree on and really believe it, live and breathe your curriculum. And uh, that's something that takes some really interesting conversations, doesn't it? It's yeah. quite challenging and those those big questions about what is our curriculum offer, what do we want for our children? Obviously, you've got a really strong team there, so that that really helps. But I think, would you say, being a curriculum lead, you have to have quite good interpersonal skills, would you say? Yeah, I think the thing that I probably found trickiest with it is striking that balance between giving people autonomy whilst also trying to achieve some level of consistency. So I know, I think the thing that I have to think is when I was when I wasn't a curriculum lead and when I was a class teacher, you want that level of autonomy to make the decisions about what you're going to teach in your class. There might be things that you really think fit in with what you want to do with your project. And I think what I've learned as the years have gone on is that you sort of need to have that balance that yes, there's a a curriculum that we follow. And yes, we have the ILPs and we have cornerstones and there are things that need to be covered but also there needs to be a degree of listening to people and thinking, right, well, if they've got a really good idea that they want to do, how do we make that work? Because I love being in the classroom. I love teaching and I want every single one of my colleagues to feel like that. And if someone is telling them what they can and can't do, you know, in very, very specific terms, that's quite demotivating. So it, what we try to do now uh, and what I've found over the last few years, and it is through working with staff and like say listening to them and taking views on board is to say to people, well, you know, these are the things that we need to do. This is what it recommends in the ILP to do in this project. 
but actually if you want to do this other aspect of the arts that fits within your year group still, then we'll move things around. And it's, mm. it's accepting that people may want to do that. And sometimes that might create work for them because they've got to plan things themselves and be much more bespoke in what they do. But if people want to do that, as long as they're not being told they've got to, I think that's, you know, I think that's a really important part of it. And again, it, it's teamwork. There's a curriculum. Yeah, it needs covering, but it also needs to be something that staff are motivated by because that's how we get the best out of our pupils. Mm. and and reflecting on the interests of children of course. you know a good a good curriculum should inspire teachers but not de-skill them have you seen the knowledge organizers adam in that with the projects have, have what have the staff thought about those what was yeah that? so the the knowledge organizers are something that we introduced to the children this year so for every topic they they have the knowledge organizer in their book to refer to uh, and i have to say as a teacher as well it's it's almost a useful planning aid um, because yeah. you look at that and you know you, you can look at that before the topic even starts and think right okay I, I need to make sure that all of these things are pulled in because they are the most relevant things but also what we've what we've said is um, about children constructing their own knowledge organizers so as, as we look at individual aspects so for instance if we were looking at, at Roman everyday life the children can begin to create their own knowledge organizer specifically on that theme so it's a useful way for children to build up their learning and you know, yeah. pick out the key points, which you know we think is good for retention of knowledge. They're processing it, they're deciding what's important, they're summarising. And so yeah, we, we're big fans of the knowledge organisers. Oh, that's great to hear that. Now, finally, Adam, in terms of the curriculum that you offer, then how do you engage parents and the wider community with the curriculum projects and the you know what the children are learning about to be truthfully honest uh, i would personally say that that is the greatest strength of our curriculum is is how parents and the community are engaged with it one of the things that i feel as a curriculum leader is really important is particularly having my own class as well i think as a curriculum leader you need to look beyond you know the class that you teach if you've got one it's it's not about telling other people what to do but i do think it's about opening doors for the teachers and one of the things that I always strive to do is engage with a whole range of community groups, whether that's the local theatre, the local museum, um, the MP, the mayor's office, um, a local sporting organisation. I think I'm not him again. (laughs) (laughs) Just that that breadth of people that are out there and seeing effectively what they can do for us as a school. Mm. It's a two-way relationship. We know that we can support them with their roles that they've got, but also they want to work with us and help us and, as a curriculum leader, you almost need to know what's being taught in every classroom and then have that overview of, okay, well, I know okay, year three are, are learning about tribal tales and I happen to know that the local visitor centre, you know, is, whatever, is doing it, a competition to write Stone Age stories as an example. That ties in there. So let's make sure that the year three teacher knows that's happening because they've got the option to do it. So from a curriculum leader's role, I think it's important to be outward facing and, and seeing opportunities and staff can always say no thank you but it's directing them to it where parents are concerned and families we try to make sure that at least four out of our six half terms have something that parents can be a part of whether that's something as basic as a class open afternoon where the learning is out and the children show what they've done up to a fashion show or a restaurant or we've got the book launch that year six do as a tradition there's no pretense to those events it is quite simply please come and enjoy the learning and see what we've been doing 
and they're always really well attended. The feedback is excellent. Children see that the whole community values what they've done. And as we've gone through that process, I think teachers and children more confident to take ownership of that. So I think um, our curriculum is almost designed in such a way to lean on community and family involvement. And in that way, we've benefited enormously from it. We've had opportunities in the last two years because of stuff that we've done that I don't think I would have ever anticipated as having as a school previously. You know, the, the kids were on TV for World Book Day and operating the TV cameras. That came about because we'd built those relationships within the community that, you know, those children will remember that for the rest of their lives. It was powerfully motivating. And that came about because, you know, we, we want to engage with our community. So maybe they are, they do look forward to seeing you, Adam, <laughs> in the community. It's quite an ongoing, busy role. How much of your week do you spend, would you say, on a normal week, you know, say we're back at school, how much of it would you spend on curriculum leadership? I think, for me, it would be less about how much you spend on it in a week and more about, you know, sort of flashpoints in the year. So there are times in, there are times in the academic year where, because of because of being an SLT, I get a bit of management time as well. There are times in the year when I need to use that management time exclusively for stuff linked to the curriculum. On a week-to-week basis, there's probably anything between 30 minutes and an hour's worth of work, which would be you know, liaising maybe with external agencies and organisations about things that we know we've got coming up. But it, like I say, it does tend to be flashpoints in the year and, and preparing for those and then knowing that when we have the subject leader discussion, that's going to take, you know, that's going to take a day, a day and a half to mm. have quality conversations with everybody, feeding back to governors. I know when that's coming up, but that takes time to prepare for. Yeah. What I would say is it, I've always seen it that the day-to-day stuff with curriculum leadership is more informal. It's, it's face-to-face, it's conversations with teachers and it's conversations and phone calls in and around the community and, and keeping things going as best you can. And then the more formal stuff is maybe slightly less often, but it takes a lot more time when it when it comes up. And having that plan the whole year for us, not just curriculum, um, but all of the leadership um, elements, you know, the monitoring, um, the, the discussions, the book looks, all of that is mapped out for us in uh, for the whole year um, before the academic year begins, so that mm. we can be as best prepared. And it's. It's not set in stone, but it just makes sure we've got an idea of what we're doing when. And then if we need to react to something, we've got the flexibility to react to it. You know, when you're getting into Maestro more, once you plan out your curriculum projects, you can see where there's any gaps in coverage or or maybe areas that you want to do more on. Um, and you can jiggle around your projects and so on and and make sure that you're happy with the coverage the the first year that I led the curriculum I I spent my entire summer holiday preparing very very detailed plans and booklets and things that had the school logo on and what you realize is those those things they aren't set in stone and I've come to realize down the years the curriculum is live it's a live Mm. document it will change because you know there are so many things that change in schools as we're discovering at the moment and it has to be live it has to be flexible it has to be something that you review our curriculum is never the same two years on the trot because it it can't be I know every every school will work differently but the one piece of advice I would always give is be reflective with your curriculum and you know be prepared to be prepared to change it yeah a good point to end on the curriculum is something fluid ever-evolving it's never 
established, is it? And nope. staff come and go, pandemics come and go. Yeah, we hope. <laughs> let's let's end on that then, and 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 wish everyone well who's listening. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So thank you again, and all the best for you and your community there at Farmerlow. And um, you've written an article about being a curriculum lead, which is fantastic. So we'll put that into our next magazine but also upload it to our blog so thanks ever so much again adam for your time and all the best until next time bye